0: and welcome to another episode of Black Excellence in Higher Education. I am your host, Kimberly York, and today we have the privilege of having with us Dr. Monique matura Chavria, and she is an associate professor in the College of Education. Welcome, Dr. Monique. Is it okay to call you Dr. Monique? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm an assistant professor. Assistant professor. Thank you for that correction. Um, So welcome to Black Excellence in Higher Education. And so I just wanted to share a little bit with you and our listeners who may not be familiar of why we're doing this. So Black Excellence in Higher Education is a podcast that is kind of threefold. And one of those is one to highlight the significant contributions of our Black faculty and staff on our campus. We represent less than 2% of the population in Las Cruces, New Mexico, but that doesn't mean that we don't have Significant contributions and have not made significant contributions. The other thing is to um, an opportunity to get to know um, our Black faculty and staff for our students to make meaningful connections and mentoring opportunities. And then the last is to serve as somewhat of a recruitment tool for any prospective Black faculty and staff that are looking to call um, New Mexico State home. And so, again, Dr. Monique, welcome and thank you um, for this opportunity. Can you tell us a little bit about?
1: Yourself? Yes. um, I am 37 years old. I am originally from Riverside, California. Although I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada for the last 19 years, I received my PhD at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in special education. I'm also a twin. I have a fraternal um, twin sister and also two brothers. I identify as Black um, Belizean. My parents are from Belize. It's a small country in Central America. I was also a first-generation student, and I'm also a single mother, a Black boy who is 10 that is also identified um, on the autism spectrum.
0: Wow, what a small world. So we have One of our alum, um, Gaspar Martinez, is also from Belize, and he actually now works in the Tucumcari campus. Wow, what a small world. So what is Belize like?
1: Uh, It's awesome. It's a small little um, country um, in Central America along the Caribbean Sea. I have a lot of family there, um, uncles, aunts and cousins. I haven't been since 2017 wanted to go last year but due to the pandemic we couldn't um travel food the music and the culture is just rich
0: wow and so what what brought you to the states and when did you come to the states
1: well I was um my sister and I were the only U.S. born um my brothers and my parents are all immigrants from Belize they've been here for probably 40 years now Oh wow! Uh, U.S. citizens now, but we go back time to time to visit family.
0: Okay, nice, nice. So you got your PhD in special education, and what, what, what sparked your interest in special education?
1: Special education. Um, since I was little, my sister and I, we would always go to Belize every year, and I had an uncle. He was in his thirties, and he would always play the harmonica, and my family would tell me, would tell us that he was mute. And until my sister and I went to college and got older, we realized he actually had Down syndrome, but due to the limited resources, my paternal family side had, and they weren't able to get him any assistance. So that was really my drive into education to work with um, students and adults with disabilities. So in high school, I started volunteering in some of the self-contained special education classes. And then in college, I majored in education as well and also worked with Nevada Early Intervention Services for a few years where I serviced um, families who had children um, with disabilities. So my um, passion really came from my professional experience and then also my lived experience of having a child with autism.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Um, I have um, I have a half sister that also um, has um, learning challenges. And so I identify with your passion. So thank you for that, because that's um, a a labor of love for you. But it's also a very unique skill set that a lot of people don't have. So thank you for that. Along the spectrum, again, of like telling us about yourself, do you have a favorite quote or life philosophy that you live by?
1: Yes, I have um, two favorite quotes, but the one I'll, I guess, discuss is the one that resonates with me that's related to education. And it's from Bell Hooks from the book Teaching to Transgress, where she states the classroom remains the most radical space of possibility in the academy. Um, And when I read that book, um, Teaching to Transgress, in my PhD program, um, it just really resonated with me that as educators, the classroom is where we can really make change um, and influence pre-service teachers going into the classroom, working with all students and students from underrepresented backgrounds to ensure that they receive equitable um, education and that teachers are inclusive Um, to their backgrounds and their needs and their culture.
0: Yes, absolutely. I definitely um, agree with that. And I wanted to just kind of share it if you weren't aware. So New Mexico has just uh, recently unanimously passed the Black Education Act. And I had the privilege of serving on New Mexico Representative Cheryl Stapleton's Black Education Committee, who was instrumental in getting this passed. And so I wanted to hear from you from, one, your personal perspective of a mother Um, with a child who identifies as being on the autism spectrum, but also as an educator about what you feel is the significance of such an act that will guarantee that curriculum is more culturally um, sensitive to our Black students, um, making sure that the unfair treatment of Black students, especially students that have learning challenges or may have uh, behavioral health and behavioral needs and and training. So what would you say, is the significance of this?
1: I just learned about the Black Education Act that was passed in New Mexico. So I kind of reviewed it, but I can speak of just my knowledge and background with my research, just knowing how Black students are overrepresented in special ed, suspension, expulsion. So I think this new Black Education Act for New Mexico, great. And hopefully there are new initiatives um, that are created and placed within this K-12 school settings to ensure that um, Black students aren't being disproportionately represented, that they're providing them the supports um, to stay within the classrooms, um, that the curriculum meets their needs. I know representation really matters, so it's really important to recruit teachers that look like our students as well. Also, looking at parent engagement is really important, so really trying to create some initiatives on engaging parents in the school by meeting their needs, teachers being more aware of, you know, the cultural um, norms of Black families and Black students in order to incorporate it in their teaching practices.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you for weighing in on that. I think that that is important. And you hit on something that I think is very key, um, which is parent engagement. And I think that sometimes there are cultural barriers that aren't often understood about um, the needs of black students and or Black families, as you alluded to, that make, that cause certain judgments to be passed on Black parents in terms of why or why they are not engaged. And so thank you for sharing that. I know that Representative Stapleton will be doing some listening sessions throughout the state, and I would love to make sure that your voice is heard and make that connection so that you can share both your personal as well as your professional experience. Along the same lines, I know that you you are the new faculty fellow for our Sankofa Living Learning Cultural Community. Can you share a little bit of information about that and your role and what you see the significance of the Black, of the Sankofa LLC is for students of color on our campus?
1: Yes, I'm uh, the new faculty fellow for the Sankofa on campus. There's currently seven students That I'm working with. I find it really key to have this type of environment for the students. Very inclusive. I think it will give them a really enriching experience at New Mexico State University and hopefully continue their education from a bachelor's to a master's. I feel it's really important to have a faculty fellow because mentorship is really key, especially for students from underrepresented backgrounds. I know I really value uh, mentorship. It was really key and pivotal in my um, experience as a student. Um, And so my hopes are to really create a lot of activities, scholarly and both social, so that the students can network um, with other faculty and students at New Mexico State and also around the U.S. at different um, universities. So I'd like to do some hopeful research projects with them um, where they can engage in presentations at some national conferences so they can experience that and really prepare them for uh, graduates uh, graduate school because some of them have expressed that. So I'm really there to meet their needs. Also created a book club, that we'll be reading some books together. The first one that we're going to be diving into is by Angela Davis, Freedom is a Constant Struggle. And so the students had a voice in picking um, between a few books and they decided to select um, this book. So that's the book that we'll be reading. That was
0: a really, really great choice. I had the privilege of actually meeting her in person and sitting down and talking with her back in 2018 when um, the University of Texas UTEP um, hosted her. And so that was an amazing experience. Not only is she an amazing advocate, but she's a brilliant scholar as well. And
1: so, Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, that had to be amazing. It yeah, I would was. like the students to experience something like that because it's really eye-opening.
0: Yeah, and maybe we can explore bringing her in. You know, once we get back to some sense of normalcy, we I definitely could see the value of that for our entire campus, right? So, I wanted to kind of go switch gears. I I got a little bit ahead of myself. Can you? Tell us, I think that you are new to NMSU, right? And so can you share a little bit about your role and what made our campus a viable option for
1: you? Okay. So I transitioned here from Las Vegas, Nevada last year in August. I'm a new assistant professor in TPAW uh, in special education. I was really intrigued by NMSU when I read the mission and vision statement and also the College of Ed and really looking through courses. um, Everything is very social justice oriented and my research is social justice oriented. So that was really one thing that was really key to me. And then also seeing how it was really incorporated within the courses that are offered in the College of Ed.
0: Nice, nice. And so how long have you actually been here on our campus? Has it been a little over a year?
1: No, I actually um, started in August, August 17th. So this is my second semester. And I've only been to campus twice.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you. You also touched on something that I think is very important. As you know, Dr. Henrietta Williams-Pashon is your interim dean as a Black woman. That is um, significant for our community. But I think it also speaks volumes in the point that you brought up with regards to being a first-generation college student, right? right? And so... Can you kind of share, you know, how you were able to navigate? This was a part of the conversation that we had with her, and she also identifies as a first generation college student. So can you share a little bit about how you navigated that world when you didn't really have a road map? So
1: I was a first generation student. It was just my sister and I. So we were always together. We lived in the dorm together. So that was a great experience to always have her. But faculty-wise, that's why mentorship is really key to me. I really didn't have a mentor until I got into the PhD program. But in my undergrad and master's program, I was part of the Black Student Association and then Black Graduate Black Graduate Student Association as well. So I was able to build networks with other students, um, meet faculty as well. But in my PhD program, I had a really great mentor, my chair, and then I was also a home scholar. I was able to network with a lot of um, doctoral students and other faculty. So mentorship is really key. That really helped me um, get get through the program. I think it's really important to have support with peers faculty and um, family. So my family is always supportive, um, but they weren't necessarily able to help me when it came to questions navigating my academic scholarly work. So that's why I'm very passionate and I um, value mentorship um, because it's key. It's even really key as a a new assistant professor.
0: Yes. um, yes. Really
1: build a community um, with other faculty to have support in those social networks.
0: Yes, thank you. Just for the for the sake of those who aren't familiar with the acronyms TPAL
1: and home. can you can you explain those a little bit? So TPAL is Teacher Preparation Administration Leadership School in the College of Ed. And then Home Scholar is through AACTE, which is a national um, organization. Um, so Home Scholars, are currently master students and doctoral students from underrepresented backgrounds. They provide, if your university is a member of the College of Ed, they can have home scholars programs. So at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, they had a homes program. So we had a faculty member and we had meetings once a month where they provided mentorship on presentations, publications. We also attended National conference every February, where we are able to present our research, meet other home scholar students. They provided a dissertation funding competition at the annual meeting. I was engaged in that, and I actually won the competition in 2020 last year, which was really instrumental in helping me fund my dissertation. So I'm really grateful for the home scholars community, and I'm part of the national home scholars alumni where. I'm part of the mentorship committee. So I'm going to be mentoring home scholars. So thank you. So I'll continue to be engaged um, with that community because it's just, it's it's part of my identity, I feel. (laughs) Right. Nice. And again, congratulations. Do
0: you know if that's something that NMSU was involved in?
1: Um, Currently, the College of Ed does not have, is not part of AACTE. um, So that would be something that I would be interested in seeing if we could um, create that because it's really a great program to recruit um, students from underrepresented backgrounds and master programs and doctoral programs as well.
0: Yeah. Do you see that there's a lot of interest um, from Black students in education, um, in the education program?
1: Um, From my experience, I see a lot of more Black students interested in when it comes to education and higher education. Okay. The administration leadership. I know that the um, director Brandy Stone,
0: um, she is the director of the African American student uh, program over at UNM. She's going to be joining us in the fall. So that's pretty exciting okay. and in the higher ed leadership program as well. So oh, hopefully, nice. yeah, hopefully you'll get to meet her and become one of her mentors. So I wanted to go ahead and transition a little bit and asking you um, a little bit about You know, thinking about your experience as a new faculty on our campus, you know that we are in the throes of hiring um, our first VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And as a new employee, how do you see this person's role supporting Black faculty and staff?
1: Uh, Well, I think it's great that NMSU will be hiring a VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, I think it would be great if there are initiatives um, to recruit more faculty of color, Um, provide mentorship for our students of color as well to ensure all students have um, equitable experiences um, and the supports and resources that are needed at NMSU to be successful in their programs.
0: Thank you for that. And um, similarly, what would you say um, Black programs, I know that Before we officially started, you kind of talked about the community, um, the sense of a need for, um, you know, supportive Black community here in Las Cruces and on our campus. What kinds of things would you say, activities, events, programs or whatever, what, what can Black programs do to better serve and support you as a Black faculty and staff, as well as someone who works with our students?
1: I think Black programs um, to support students and faculty both. I know it's really difficult with the pandemic, so probably post-pandemic is provide some activities um, during the semester, maybe the beginning of the semester, have a kind of network meeting session where students can meet other faculty of color, kind of like a speed dating thing where you can, you can talk about your interests and hobbies um, and then provide different programming during the semester. Maybe I know at UNLV, we did this. I was part of the Black Student Graduate Student Association. We did a survey to survey the Black graduate students to see what they needed, um, what supports they needed. And so that was helpful with us planning our semester Programming, So I think probably starting with a survey to see what the students at NMSU need and then planning some programming around there. So maybe guest lectures or anything they need academically. Also, like maybe holding a conference where guest speakers could come in and speak about various things about Black culture research. I think it's really engaging and enlightening to um, students and faculty as yes. well.
0: Thank you for that. And so, just to update you so, pre pandemic, um, every February, our Black Student Association, in collaboration with Black programs, we do host the Black by Southwest Conference. And so, and it does exactly what you just described. But because of COVID, of course, we had to kind of cancel that. And so, we, when I came into this position as interim director, I did some listening sessions with students, and we will continue to do that. In fact, The team and I, we were just yesterday coming up with a kind of an end of the year semester survey to kind of see, you know, how we are gauging, you know, to gauge where we fell on the spectrum of what they needed and, you know, how we met those needs and what we can do going forward. So you can be expecting to receive one of those surveys. And then I'm sure that you are already familiar with our Success Through Sisterhood that we started for Black faculty and staff and students to serve as a mentoring component of Black programs. And so we are, as you know, have uh, launched our first book club. And so that's really exciting. And so we will continue to get feedback from our faculty and staff as well as our students, because we optimally want to be able to support our community as best as we can on our campus. The one thing I will tell you that I'm really proud about is that for me personally, uh, is that I have grown in my awareness about the needs, the intersectionality of the needs of our students that identify as maybe Afro-Latina or or Black and white, however, but just the um, multi-facets that I'm learning about how to support those needs, because oftentimes Our students that have dual identities kind of get left out of the conversation. And so been very intentional about one learning, but also about being very inclusive in our approach um, and kind of dismantling the notion that Black programs only serves Black students. And so I think that that has been a bright spot for us um, with regards to serving our students. And we will continue to use these platforms, you know, getting the feedback from uh, faculty and staff to make sure that we are on target with making sure that we're inputting, not just listening, but actually initializing um, some of your feedback. So thank you for that. We are going to be in the fall having a a meet and greet, but I like your um, notion of the speed dating thing. I like that. So if you don't mind helping us with that, we would love to have you involved with that. Yes, I'd love to. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, we are coming around to the close of this again. I want to thank you. Um, I just have a couple more quick things for you. Actually, a fun. I know that you mentioned that you are a twin. Are there any other fun or exciting facts about
1: you that we may not know? I like to travel. I like to dance to reggae, bachata and merengue with my family and friends. So those are some fun facts. Oh, nice. about it. (laughs)
0: Nice. I like that. So we have the one thing that I have learned out of all of this is that we have a very, very musically talented pool of black faculty and staff. Dr. Turner plays instruments. Uh, I think that Dr. Van Dean, who's the director of financial aid, she also plays an instrument. Dr. Eric House, um, you you all have very similar passions with including, um, you know, kind of the music world and linguistics in in your approach that teaching students. So we're going to have some kind of concert of some sort coming up here in the, maybe in corb in the corbett outdoor stage and you could be the dance coordinator and dr turner is also a dance um a dance person as well a dancer so thank you for that that's really nice to know um, as we close how can students reach you
1: uh they can reach me um via email i'm also open to providing my uh, cell phone as well if they need to reach me that way
0: OK, you can provide your email address and then we can individually um, off record um, provide your cell phone number.
1: <laughs> OK, so my email is M-M-A-T-U-T-E at N-M-S-U
0: OK, great. And then I'm going to turn it over to you if there's any last minute comments or topics that we didn't cover that you want to talk about. You have that opportunity.
1: Uh, no, I think we covered everything I could think of.
0: Okay, thanks. Well, thank you again, Dr. Monique, and welcome to NMSU. We are so excited to have you be a part of our family here at NMSU, and we are looking forward to getting to know you more in person, hopefully, as soon as we can. But if you know there's anything that we can do to support you um, while you're here, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And I'd like to close, as I always do, by just reminding everyone that preservation of one's own culture does not not negate disrespect or contempt for other cultures. We would love to have you informed and engaged with Black programs. Please feel free to reach out to us via email. Our email address is blackpro at nmsu.edu. And we are conveniently located in room 135 of Garcia Center. We are open to serve students, faculty, and staff. So please um, don't hesitate to stop by our office. And then you can also find information about our upcoming programs and events. Um, We have a great uh, line of April activities lined up, which will include National Walking Day Challenge on our campus. And then we will also be having a Fifty Shades of Blackness discussion panel with some of our faculty and staff. And that will be throughout the month of April. You can head over to our website at www.blackprograms.com edu. Thank you so much. We look forward to having you with us next time.